This is the Beyond the Studio podcast, and you're listening to Season 3, Beyond the Studio East Coast Edition. I'm Amanda Adams. And I'm Nicole Muller, and we're here to help you figure out the business of being an artist. Here we'll have honest conversations with artists, makers, and business experts, and dive deep into the work that happens beyond the studio. If you find value in listening to these conversations, please consider leaving us a rating and a review or sharing some of your favorite episodes with your creative community. It's the easiest way to show us some love and help others find the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Before we get started on this week's episode, you may have noticed that this is part two, which means it is the second half of a two-part conversation. We divide up the episodes if they go a little longer than our usual time, but are too good to cut down. Last week, we talked with Sarah about her background, the start of building her business, and we ended last week's episode with a really incredible conversation on pricing. So if this is your first time listening, definitely go back and listen to that episode because it at least will give you some context because we're starting in the middle here. We are about to dive into the rest of the episode, which just gets even more candid and pretty vulnerable too. So thank you so much for listening. We're really excited to get into this conversation right after this brief message from our sponsor. Hi, it's Nicole here, and I'm so excited to tell you more about one of my favorite tools beyond the studio, Artwork Archive. I've been using Artwork Archive for years now, and it's been completely game-changing for me and the way I organize and keep track of my work. Artwork Archive is an all-in-one platform to run and organize your art career. It helps you catalog your artwork online, create an online portfolio of your work, send professional polished PDF reports within seconds, and so much more. Before Artwork Archive, I was manually updating PDFs with pricing or new images every time somebody reached out expressing interest in my paintings. It was tedious and time-consuming, and I could never remember which versions I'd sent out to which collectors or consultants. It is so easy now for me to share images of newly available work, to pull up records of all my sales, and to quickly at a glance see where my work is located around the world. If you're serious about growing a sustainable art career, then you need a platform like Artwork Archive to track and manage your work. It's the most cost-effective way to run a professional art career. You can get started for under $5 a month with our exclusive discount. Head to www.artworkarchive.com beyond. You know, we'll be okay because we've planned for this and we've, you know, built, build in some cushion to the way we run our business. But I also think it's important for artists to remember that there really is value in what we're doing. And I know sometimes I get these sort of creeping ideas, like little sneaky thoughts that are just like, you're being so self-indulgent, just like, who do you think you are to get to just do whatever you want every day? Um, Not that I get to really do whatever I want every day, but just that I'm pursuing this career that is something I'm very passionate about. And sometimes I feel a little bit guilty about that. But I know that when I consume other people's art, whether that's just looking at it online or going to an exhibition in person sometime in the past, sometime in the future, or when I'm able to sort of budget and buy work from an artist, like I know that that enriches my life a ton. And so I think it's worth remembering that as the creator too, that somebody's on that other side and, and like we are providing something important and valuable through our work, if that makes sense. It does. And I think it is so 
important to point out that there is another person on the other side, especially having this conversation in 2020, where I think many of us are probably shifting to existing online more than we typically have in the past, which is a whole another set of struggles trying to adapt with that. But I think oftentimes you sort of lose touch with the humanity of it because, I mean, Instagram and its most, I mean, I'm just talking about Instagram specifically right now, but like it's at its most basic, it already is like a curation of the best. But then now we're experiencing a whole new look to that. Um, And I think a lot of people are experiencing growth and shifts in ways that they're communicating online. I'm always really curious about how you manage yourself online because I, I feel like you show up there so much and like so... I mean, listeners, I'm not going to go into it fully because Sarah's already done the labor and it's on her Instagram, but she went through this whole money series talking about finances and really transparently talking about it. And I thought that that was such an incredibly generous thing that you did. And like, it takes forever to respond to a single question, but to be able to go through and answer so many people and like, not just provide information in your art, but you do provide a lot of information in your business. And I'm, I'm always curious how you're able to do it and kind of what things you set up for yourself to protect your time and and emotions and energy, or if you're able to, I mean, I know I haven't figured it out. And I don't know who has but have you? (laughs) Uh, No, (laughs) no, I haven't. I think I have like an extremely unhealthy relationship with Instagram because I have been able to use it so successfully for my business um, and have grown such a large community to the point where as much as I value that community, because I do deeply value the community, I've, you know, been able to make a lot of friends, you know, in the professional realm, like fellow artists, but I've also been able to connect with and hear from customers. And some of those conversations have just been really incredible and meaningful to me. But on the other side, my account stands at half a million people are, are there. And most of the time, I feel like that is an extremely overwhelming responsibility uh, to be speaking to that many people, even if some of the accounts are duplicates and some of the accounts are bots and whatever, you know, all of that aside, it's still a lot of people. And I think sometimes we talk about like bots and trolls and duplicate accounts to the, and we diminish like the real people that are there in a way that's not so great. But yeah, I haven't figured it out. I feel like I have to be on Instagram because I need it for work. I don't use it personally. I don't, I don't have an account. I think there is an account out there, but I haven't posted to it in a couple of years. That's like my real life. <laughs> um, I'm just living that. I'm not. Where did that go? Where did your real life go? Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, so, so it's this kind of constant struggle. I, I also get, I'm like an extremely anxious person and a very sensitive person. So it's, tough for me to separate people's words online on Instagram from like my actual mental health and um, understanding of like who I am and what my work is and how I'm like in the world. And 
I think that over the past few months, it's gotten even a lot harder because it feels like Instagram has, and, and I'm sure that it has always been this way in, you know, in pockets because it is like just this series of pockets, right? Like the algorithm is showing you what you have already shown it that you want to see. So, mm-hmm. so it's like this very pocketed place. So I, I think that it's become this really important tool for information sharing. And I'm at a point where I'm struggling right now with how I'm using Instagram because in my own life, I'm, I'm not really, I don't know. I don't really feel like I have that much to say right now that is important for other people to hear. I think that there are other people out there that are saying and talking about and writing about and, and posting really, really important information and communications and news and education. And yeah, so if, if Instagram wasn't so directly linked to my livelihood, I probably wouldn't really be on there right now. And, and I will say I'm probably going to take a break from Instagram because it does take an enormous amount of time and energy to kind of manage the account and create content and and think of things to say and respond mm-hmm. to people. And if I'm saying anything important beyond like, here's my new artwork, I've got to be even more engaged because I need to be monitoring what other people are saying in mm-hmm. like that little section of digital space um, because I don't, you know, want other members of my community to be targeted or hurt or whatever. And I know all of that might sound like really extreme, but it happens all the time. And, and it's, yeah, there, you know, there's an, a responsibility to it, I guess, if, if you care about your community, which I do. <laughs> so yeah, I, ha- I'm feeling like I'm going to need to soon kind of reprioritize some of my time and reclaim those like five hours that I spend on that app so that I can reinvest that time and energy in my studio and in some local community work and into my own mental health and well-being because I have gone through these cycles in the past and I feel it happening again where I just am having some really unhealthy there's a really unhealthy dynamic happening and I'm losing any kind of sense of boundary and line between who I am and who Sarah K. Benning on Instagram is and, you know, reality. So, so I don't know. I haven't figured it out at all. Well, thank you for saying that. And I, that was such a selfish question. Cause I'm like, I have new followers and I don't know how to handle it. What do I do? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know that I'm a great hard. person to ask because my account I'm, has grown slow, like over time. It hasn't been this like, the way some accounts, you know, and the people behind those accounts, like the way it's growing now is, is different than any kind of growth I've experienced where people are yeah. doubling or tripling their audience size in the span of a month or a day. Yeah. I started, I mean, started my business in 2013, pretty much started sharing it on Instagram almost right away. And it took up until like, we'll say probably around March to actually grow to around like 6,000. And I was like just shy of there. And it, it took me like two years just to get that like final thousand. And then suddenly it was a thousand a day. And it just, I had no idea 
what happened or how or why. And then all of a sudden, people with expectations that like, you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to sell this, you're supposed to have the answers for this, you're supposed to be an educator, you're supposed to be doing these things. And it's like, I have no idea how to handle it. And I have definitely had that shift of like, I used to have some mildly healthy boundaries with social media. And since COVID, it's completely been wrecked. And I will try to be mildly responsible with my time. And I'm like, I'm going to delete Instagram, I will have it off of my phone until I have to do my next post. And then like an hour later, I'm like looking up Instagram in Safari. And I'm like, okay, let's see the messages. And I'm like, why am I here? It stresses me out. Why do I keep doing this to myself? And I think probably a lot of people are feeling that as well. Yeah, I mean, in the like, I think I understand very well how to grow on Instagram. I just am realizing now, like, why was I doing that? Because it does put you into this space where all of a sudden you have all these expectations on you. And, and especially right now, it's like, I'm getting messages from people who are like, thank you so much for your education. And I'm like, what am I, you should not be coming to me for any of these issues around race or public health or like, no, (laughs) I am not an educator in these realms. You should not, like, I should not be your source of information. Um, And then on the other side, there are plenty of people being like, how dare you ever talk about anything that isn't embroidery? And it's like, well, I'm a whole person. You're a whole person. Like, can we not just have space for that? And for some reason on Instagram, like follower account somehow translates in some people's minds to expertise that is not linked to anything besides that number on the screen. Mm-hmm. And it's very weird. And I don't know. I mean, I feel like people ask me all the time, like, how do I get a big following for my business? And it's just like, I don't think, I don't think that's it. I don't think that's the key. You need to find mm-hmm. like a thousand people that are super into you you don't need 500,000 people that like don't actually want to support you just want to yell at you. you (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And in addition to people thinking that number represents your level of knowledge or expertise, they think that represents how much money you have. Like you're not, I imagine, I mean, I haven't looked at your bank account, but I imagine you're probably not sitting on $500,000 right now. I wish. I (laughs) actually, I don't think I could get, I feel like I, it's hard for me to imagine ever accumulating that much. Like my Mm -hmm. business in the past seven years hasn't accumulated that much money. Right. And definitely not all in the bank. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to go into a full tangent about Instagram. I'm just like, this is where I spend all my time now. And I have so many questions. (laughs) Well, and it is, it is hard because I feel like so much information is being shared there in a way that it isn't being shared in more traditional like news outlets Mm -hmm. to where I feel like I'm getting news on Instagram, like sometimes a full week before I'm reading that same news in a newspaper. Um, And so it's really hard to pull away from it because it's like, why I do want to know what's happening in the world. And this feels like a more real, weirdly, a more real place to get that information um, Mm -hmm. directly from people experiencing whatever's going on versus reporters who are probably picking up the story from Instagram themselves a week later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite things that I I saw happen during all of this was, um, gosh, what's the name of the account now? 
Um, do you know, Amanda, it's, uh, it was called Scariest Bug Ever. It was just like oh, big yeah. meme um, account from Baltimore. I think um, I think the account is still Scariest Bug Ever. Uh, fellow Micah grad. Oh, that's right. But she did, um, I'd never seen this before, but what um, they were calling a replatforming. So, I mean, she had amassed a huge following and I don't think it was at all connected to, you know, a business. So it's, I think it's very different <laughs> circumstances, but um, it was almost exclusively memes at that point. And so she just like totally transitioned her account over and gave it to these two black women in Baltimore that were sharing like news and information. And it was like, hey, if you're here for the memes, like, you know, get ready for for something else. But it, then it became this like source of you know, like political news and information. And so I kind of loved like seeing how they took that audience and just redirected it towards, you know, something that was really important. Right. So that's the side where I feel like Instagram still has a lot of power and relevance and can be a, I wouldn't say it, Instagram itself is not this great thing, but what happens on it can be really great. And but I think it gets so complicated when it's tied to work and livelihood and a business. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I do think that people get confused about Instagram followers and how that translates or doesn't translate into money and wealth. And I know that on certain donation posts, I oh, a person was just like, you know, you're encouraging everyone to give $20 to this thing and you've given $20 and that's great. But like, why don't you think about redistributing your true wealth? And it's like, whoa, (laughs) this, this is what I can like commit to right now. Like, you don't know me. You don't know. You don't know. Yeah. And often those, um, like those raffles that creators will make or, um, donation items, those are so that you are able to donate more than you personally can afford to. Like I did some prints and they were able to help me donate so much more, like 10 times more than I personally could have donated, but I could use my craft to help amass more wealth. And that's where your true value is. Right. In addition to being a human, but you know. Absolutely. And, and I think that side of it is great. And, but, but yeah, like, you know, everybody having an opinion about who you are as a person and how, what you should or shouldn't be doing can really take a toll. And I mm. feel like, I don't know, I'm better at giving this advice than taking it myself. But like, when you need a break, you need a break. And I feel like that has to be okay. <laughs> because what's the point of me like burning out on Instagram burning out in my own studio burning out in my business like I can't do anything then yeah um besides like shrivel up (laughs) and be depressed (laughs) so I don't know it's a weird space and and the other thing is that like people who don't like the way you're doing it they can go (laughs) I invite people to leave all the time and and a lot of people take me up on it my account has been shrinking the past four months. And I think there are probably a whole lot of reasons for that. But some of the reasons are because I'm inviting people to leave my space because we're not having any kind of productive conversation or interactions. And I don't think this like public space is necessarily 
the right place to be having some of the conversations that have been coming up. Mm-hmm. Like there may be important things to talk about, but I just don't feel like the right place to talk about them is on my account where so many other people are there and so many other people that, that are coming to things from a different perspective. I don't know. It's just like a lot of moderation at this point. And I know, Amanda, you've been posting like all of those text pieces about really serious and important things. And I can't, I'm sure you are having like a lot of opinions come your way. Yes, it's been, I I did not expect it at all. I mean, I kind of did a little bit. I knew like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to do it. And I generally try to remember also like these things that people say, it's not about me. It's, it's a really hard world. I, I don't know how to figure it out. I'm, like I said, trying to just delete Instagram when I'm not using it. Um, and sometimes that helps and sometimes it doesn't. Somebody just recently told me about this feature. I don't know how new or old it is because I, I like don't actually keep up very closely with like changes to things. But you can now just sort of like mute people. So mm-hmm. you're not blocking them, but they can't leave any comments or like they can leave comments, but it goes into a folder and you have to like approve or not approve them. And oh. I saw somebody posting the other day or like some time ago, an artist saying that she was just muting people left and right rather than blocking because the people who were being especially aggressive and racist on her page, she didn't want to block them because then they would know that they were blocked because they wouldn't be able to see her content anymore. And they could just create a new account and continue to harass her. So she was muting people so that they could still see everything, but not actually leave any kind of public interactions. And I was like, man, that's really smart. (laughs) Yeah. Damn. I didn't even think about that. That makes a lot of sense. And I definitely have noticed some things where it's like, I definitely blocked this account and I think they just added a letter. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a mess. Um, I definitely will have to look into using that, um, feature. I had tried, there's an option where you can make it so that only people that you follow can comment on your work. But, there were so many, um, like, I'm not showing up responding to people's questions, because a lot of them are questions that I am not qualified to answer. And then other people that follow me that actually are qualified to answer will end up responding and they do the educating, which makes much more sense. But not all of those people follow me and I don't follow all of them. And so I wanted to be able to allow a space to continue to have productive conversations where someone's not just like spewing ignorance yeah but muting sounds like it makes way more sense yeah I thought it was an interesting strategy so maybe it helps yeah I definitely will have to try it yeah sorry that was a whole tangent you know here at beyond the studio we are big fans of working smarter not harder and creating systems that will help you grow your studio practice That's why I am such a huge fan of Artwork Archive, the all-in-one platform that helps me run and organize my painting practice and career. 
If you don't have a personal inventory management system, or you've just been using PDFs and spreadsheets to keep track of all the work around your studio, then you need to start using Artwork Archive. Having a website is great for sharing my portfolio publicly, but I got to a point where I needed something on the back end to help me track and organize all of my work. The work that was outside my studio in exhibitions, on consignment, the work that sold five years ago, or got donated to that art auction. Artwork Archive is great for all of this and allows me to pull income reports, track my contacts, and see changes over time to get a clearer picture of how my artistic practice is growing. I was surprised to realize that a majority of my sales one year were coming through a small handful of art advisories, and that I really needed to cultivate those relationships. Now you can even send online invoices, accept digital payments for your work, and receive purchase requests directly from interested buyers. Using Artwork Archive is like having my own personal studio assistant and makes me feel so on top of my art career even when everything else feels like chaos. It is just a no-brainer. And Beyond the Studio listeners can get started using Artwork Archive for less than $5 a month by heading to www.artworkarchive.com beyond. This is completely unrelated, but I feel like it is definitely worth mentioning. So last year, you had a book about your work come out that was by Sarah Barnes, who also was on Beyond yeah. the Studio. We got to talk to her in season one. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and also, she has MICA affiliations and was in Baltimore. So mm-hmm. small world. Um Big world, because now we're all in different places. But <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that was a really uh, wild honor um, that came about. Sarah had written about my work for her blog, Brown Paper Bag, and on My Modern Met in the past. And in 2017, she got in touch and was like, well, I have this idea. About, I want to write about embroidery, and I'd love to write about you and your work. Um, and I have already been in conversation with different publishers and it seems like Chronicle is going to, you know, get on board. So I was like, wait, really? You want to write, you want to write a book about my work? Like I'm not writing, you're somebody, you want to write a book about me? It was a really surreal kind of, um, offer invitation. And, and so, yeah, we went with it and, uh, it came out in, September of 2019. Oh my gosh, almost a year ago. Yeah, so it was a really fascinating process to kind of get a little glimpse into the publishing world, uh, just the very tiniest glimpse. Um, it really was mostly Sarah's project, Sarah Barnes's project, not Sarah <laughs> Benning's project. It's been really funny um, how some people have been really confused by that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, she kind of pitched it and and came out to stay with me in New Hampshire for a bit and kind of was in the studio with me and came with me to Boston for a couple of workshops. And yeah, it was, it was a really cool thing to be a part of. And I know my mom has made like all her friends get a copy. She's very proud of it. <laughs> it, it still feels like kind of a really wild thing to know that somebody wrote a book that featured my work. It also sort of feels like a funny thing because I'm 29 right now. So I was 28 when the book came out, 27 when the conversation started. And it was just like, I'm, but I'm so young right now. Like you can talk about my work in this moment, but it feels like, you know, 
it's going to be just this little tiny snippet of time in this book that everything in my life moving forward from here will be building off of. So I'm looking forward to later in my life looking back and being like, that's a nice couple of years captured on those pages. (laughs) Because it does feel like I'm, you know, there's a lot of time ahead of me in my work. But really cool experience. Yeah, at that point, maybe you'll have had a a couple more books come out so you can (laughs) (laughs) keep chronicling your life as you go. Uh, Only if there are authors out there who want to buy them. (laughs) Buy them, rather. I definitely can't imagine um, doing that myself, but... We'll consider this an open invitation to the universe. (laughs) (laughs) I do feel like right now is a real um, boom in like DIY embroidery books though. And I don't have one coming out. I don't want any confusion about that, but it has been really fun seeing all these other embroidery artists uh, put out new books. And it just seems like this craft is now being kind of considered a little bit more than it has been in the past. And it's really fun and exciting to kind of see that and be a part of it. And I hope it continues to gain uh, some respect. (laughs) outside of like home crafting, which is valid and valuable too. (laughs) Yeah, this is also shifting gears a little bit, but I was wondering if there are um, any tools or resources that you use or have used that have helped to either streamline, you know, parts of, of your business, whether it's, you know, connected to marketing or social media or bookkeeping or, you know, anything that's kind of made your life a little bit easier. Um, I know we were talking with um, another artist that recommended a really amazing label printer, (laughs) even, that really helped with the the packing and shipping. Um, So just curious if there's anything that might be helpful for other artists to know about. Yeah, so I outsource my bookkeeping and our accounting and taxes. And I've been doing that since the end of 2016. And it was the best decision I've ever made. It is kind of one of the higher expenses that we have on a monthly basis for the bookkeeping. But to me, like not not having to have my time kind of absorbed in tracking numbers is really worth almost whatever it costs because that's not how my brain works. And it just felt like this horrible, tedious chore doing it myself. And also I don't have the expertise you know, our accountant is able to advise us about all kinds of different things and really help figure out the most efficient way to use our money and save our money. And And that kind of efficiency is really important because we're not talking about huge amounts of money. So what we have, we've really got to make count. And then also my partner, Davey, is such a huge help. He's always been a huge help from the very beginning, you know, kind of originally just with moral support, but he officially joined our two-person team at the start of 2018. And even before that, he kind of had an increasingly involved role. But but at this point, he handles all of our order fulfillment. So he does all of our packaging. And well, right now we're doing USPS pickups, which is, I don't know why we weren't doing that before, because it's great. But And he does a lot of our customer service for sort of general inquiries or if somebody's having an issue with downloading a pattern or is looking for their tracking information or just those kinds of things. 
he's doing that. He's much, much better at it than I am. And I think part of that is that he's like one step removed where I feel like I've done my, the absolute best possible job in explaining everything and kind of catch myself feeling like, well, how come they're not understanding it? And he's just like, okay, you chill. Like, let me just answer this email for you. They're just asking a totally reasonable question that we can very easily provide the answer to. And it doesn't need to be this whole dramatic thing. So that's been a real help. Helps keep me a little more calm uh, and less emotionally fraught all the time. So those are two really big ways that I was able to kind of delegate and manage some time. Otherwise, we don't rely too much on any other like regular tools. We do print our postage at home, which is nice, but I'm just using those like sticky labels. I don't have one of the fancy postage printers. Although I did mm-hmm. at one point switch to a laser printer rather than an inkjet printer because I can print way more pages with the toner than I could with the ink, which saved money. And at some point, I guess maybe in 2017, I hired a graphic designer to create a template for me for my patterns where I could just drop new content every month into the same template. And it was like, you know, laid out in an organized way and was pretty. And and that too just wasn't a skill that I had. I'm not a graphic designer. So I feel like I'm getting more, I'm kind of getting more and more comfortable with recognizing where my weaknesses are and then looking for ways Uh, looking for solutions and kind of people that can fill in those spots. Yeah, that's really a a sign of growth too, I think, as your business grows, but also just, I I think, that self-awareness and growing as a person. And (laughs) I was thinking about this even as you were talking about pricing your work, that, you know, one part of it is is the strategy or kind of developing your own formula, but then another part is the self-awareness, just, you know, learning what your own what your own output and production looks like, learning what the the rhythms of, you know, your workflow, whether it's during the course of a day or, you know, throughout a year. And so just starting to pay more attention to what, you know, what's working well or even things that you enjoy doing and what are areas that you could start to either delegate or, you know, find resources that maybe um, can help fill in some of those knowledge gaps. Yeah, definitely. And I, I do struggle with that a little bit because I didn't start a business intentionally. It's just sort of snowballed and and evolved over the years. And so in the beginning and now, so much of it was just having to learn everything. Um, And because I didn't have the financial resources to you know, hire a photographer every time I needed to shoot a new piece, or I didn't have the financial resources to hire a web designer or whatever, those things, I just had to figure it out and, and do it all myself in the beginning. And I'm only just now seven years out starting to recognize like, while I always want to continue learning some things, it's not worth it for me to invest two full weeks of my time to learn a new thing when I could hire a professional in that field to do it in a day (laughs) or even if it's longer than a day, you know, there, there are some things that are worth spending time on and there are some things that are worth spending money on and everyone decides those things for themselves and every business is going to look different in that way. But I'm trying to get better at recognizing the difference between those two things. 
Yeah. Oh man. I feel like what you said there is so important. Like there are some things that are worth spending time on. There are some things that are worth spending money on. And I think that distinction can be so difficult sometimes because that, that seems very much in the, the spirit of being a creative, like that, you know, that ability to figure things out on your own, that kind of independent streak. And, um, I mean, I can think of so many examples and, and that's just part of being an artist too, right. Is figuring things out as you go. And so like being able to, to document your own work, being able to, um, you know, whether it's build your own website or like I've had to learn to operate a scissor lift, which is never something that I would <laughs> just go out and do on my own. But you know, those, those things I think are part of just, you know, learning, but then it also gets to a point where you maybe recognize that you might need a little help or support. Like, I don't know if I'm making mock-ups for an installation, it's like, do I need to learn how to use SketchUp myself? Or if I'm trying to install a work, like maybe it's a good idea to hire some studio assistants instead of doing it on myself or, you know, trying to rope my partner and my brother in to give free labor over a weekend. Um, I think, you know, some of it, it's you You learn that by going through the experience and then realizing, okay, next time I'm going to try this a little bit differently. But that's all part of growing too. Yeah, for sure. Are there any things that we haven't um, talked about or touched on that you feel is important to share um, or any other parts of your story we haven't really gotten a chance to talk about? I mean, I'm sure that there are, but nothing that's like jumping to the forefront <laughs> in my mind. Yeah. I feel like we talked about a lot. For people that already follow you, Sarah, I'm sure they know this. Um, you've shared a lot on social media about the the business side of your work. And like Amanda said in the beginning, um, you are someone that has just been really open and generous with, with that knowledge. So um, for anyone listening, there's a lot out there. Um, but where can people follow you and find your work online? Yeah, so I'm at Sarah K. Benning on Instagram and that's Sarah with an H and actually I'm pretty much Sarah K. Benning everywhere. My website is also sarahkbenning.com and that's where you can find digital embroidery patterns. We release a new one each month and someday we'll have kits again and <laughs> prints and originals of my embroideries. You can also hop onto my mailing list there if you're interested in getting updates to your inbox. That's kind of going to be the, the primary point of communication moving forward. But um, Instagram's good too for just little glimpses into studio life and New Hampshire life. <laughs> yeah, so just thank you guys so much for for this conversation and for having me. And it was really great to connect. I don't know about you two, but I work in my studio, mostly alone all the time. So it's always a real pleasure to talk to other people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sort of semi face to face here. Yeah, we yeah. always are talking about how just isolating it is being a studio artist, even if your studio is home like you and me. Um, yeah. But it it makes such a difference on being able to get a chance to talk to people. And it helps to remember that the things that you're thinking and struggling with other people are thinking and struggling with too. And just getting that support and solidarity. I mean, I am always so encouraged whenever we talk and I'm so glad we got to record it this time and we can share it with people. Yeah, it's great. Um, sorry, that was, that was a whole extra half hour. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for taking the time. <laughs> I feel yeah. like we went on some tangents there, but it was really, I appreciate just, again, like hearing all the behind the scenes. I think it's helpful just to 
I don't know, have space for those conversations. So especially it's all really valuable. Right. For me too. And, and I feel like even the tangents about Instagram, it's really hard to have really open conversations about Instagram. Like, I don't know, it's just such a weird topic. And so I, I appreciate talking about it in a way that was like a little more candid than Mm-hmm. Um, than on Instagram itself, yeah. <laughs> which I struggle with. I feel like, yeah, Amanda and I've talked about this too. And I feel like, I mean, you both seem great at it, but Amanda is also really good at just showing up as herself online. And I feel like it's something that I really struggle with. So I can see how it'd be a really weird space to kind of like, criti- not criticize necessarily, but just talk about the realities of, you know, the, the challenges of being on Instagram, on Instagram itself. So it's <laughs> nice to have other spaces to do that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's, I'm always grateful for a chance to like speak very honestly about it with someone that can relate. Cause I always feel very annoying whenever I come to my husband and I'm like, this is stupid. I know, but I have Instagram stress right now. Can I talk to you about it? And it like, and if you talk about it on Instagram, people are like, wah, wah, go away. We don't care. And I'm (laughs) like, you're right. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like, I'll yeah. react that way sometimes. I'm like, oh, it's so hard for you. But it is hard. And it's stressful. And there's a lot of expectations that you have for yourself and that other people have from you. And it's really nice to be able to talk about it honestly and not feel like it's totally indulgent. Right. Right. <laughs> have you found that people are more available for interviews right now? Or or it's not any different? I don't know. That's a good question. Because really the last time we were doing as much recording as we are now was like over a year ago. I do feel like, I mean, in general, like, you know, we always try and have really like open conversations. But something that I've noticed, I feel like maybe just in light of everything that's going on this year, I, I feel like there's a like a new layer to the honesty. I don't know if you mm. feel that way, Amanda, but I totally. feel like people have been really, I don't know, just like really willing to share about the, I mean, about the hardship, the challenges, but like just even more open than in a typical conversation. Mm-hmm. So that's it's been actually really great. Yeah. It definitely has been a lot more just very, very real conversations. And we try to always have real conversations, but there's just a whole new level of realness. I guess just everything with 2020 has brought so much uh, more openness to the conversations beyond business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think there's any going back. So, <laughs> yeah. So, this is it. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see where, well, nervously anticipating, I guess, seeing where society will shift for the rest mm-hmm. of the year, for next year, for many years down the line, and how this will impact our culture, hopefully for the better. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hope you stay healthy and safe and all of yeah, that. Thanks. That's it for this episode of the Beyond the Studio podcast. You can find show notes, references, and a brief summary of the episode over at our website, beyondthe.studio. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our mailing list to find out about upcoming guests, special announcements, and podcast giveaways. We did. And now we have Sprout. Oh, he's Sprout. (laughs) I I can't see you guys anymore, but I'm still here. Amanda's screen is just totally blacked out right now. Her black cat is standing in front of the camera. Yeah, let's see if we can get her face. Hi, hi Sprout. You want to say hi? No, I don't. All right, sorry, I'm going to mute myself then.